Shut up and sit down. Hello and welcome to the Seven Day Brew. My name is Ernest, and thank you for joining me. In this podcast, I hope to give you a rundown of the news that you can expect in the week ahead. And with the economy and global tech news coming up, let's get right into it on the show. Our top story this week. Two key releases are expected from the Monetary Authority of Singapore and the Ministry of Manpower this week. The MAS is expected to release the second macroeconomic review of the year on Tuesday, October 25th. And MOM is set to release the fourth quarter labour report on Thursday, October 27th. These come two weeks after Parliament last convened, where the government foreshadowed weak economic performance. Trade Minister Lim Hung Kiang said that growth will sit within the lower bounds of the Ministry of Trade and Industries estimates at around 1-2%. The macroeconomic review will cover the MAS's outlook on various key indicators such as predicted and current employment levels and industry performance estimates. It will also be released alongside the Monetary Policy Statement, which provides the basis of the MAS's monetary policy decisions. Now, while there is common consensus that a global economic slowdown and possible recession are around the corner, I wanted to find out what impact this would have on Singapore over the next few years. How does this affect investor confidence? And what might an economic recovery look like? So to begin with, we look at the macroeconomic review. To better understand its impact, I spoke with economist Norman Lim on what he expects to see on Tuesday's release. Well, one of the first things that you probably want to see in a macroeconomic review for the average Singaporean is probably the labour market uh, outcomes. How is the employment rate going to be? How is the unemployment rate going to be? And we expect from previous forecasts released by the Singapore government that the unemployment rate has been an uptrend around the 3% mark. In other countries, this would be pretty good, but for Singapore, this is actually a somewhat of a historic high, one of the highest rates since 2009. Also, in relation to the other sectors of the economy, we see that the oil services sector has been suffering quite a bit because of the fall in oil prices. You've seen about the recent bankruptcy of Hanjin shipping. And can we expect any big shocks in our monetary policy? The way Singapore conducts its monetary policy is mainly through exchange rate because Singapore is a very open economy. So we should expect that MAS will hold its monetary policy steady, either allowing the Singapore currency to hold steady against other currencies or to appreciate slightly. Because previously, when the US dollar was weak, the MAS was pursuing depreciation policy against the Sing dollar because the US is, after all, a major importer of Singapore exports. So with the raising of the US interest rates and the fact that the US dollar is not appreciating against the Sing dollar, we should expect the MAS to allow the Sing dollar to appreciate naturally or hold steady. Okay, so weak economic performance, increasing unemployment, but what does this mean for investor and confidence in the global economy? For that, I turned to another good friend of mine, Joel Lum, who conveniently happens to be an analyst at a private bank. He thinks that investor outlook is brighter than most think. So if you're talking about short-term investor outlook, to be frank, no one really trades Singapore stock. <laughs> the volume is, is terrible except for a certain few blue-chip stocks. But if you're asking yourself as an investor, are there opportunities? There will always be opportunities in good times or bad times. But even now, there's still space to position yourself in China, to position yourself in US. Uh, US earnings season has started. 
So if you buy the right stock now, they release good results, uh, you look, you're looking at short-term capital upside. So the market sentiment for other countries, the bigger markets are quite bullish. If you are looking for opportunities, it's definitely there. Tech is a big space. I think pharmaceuticals for US is also going to be a big space if uh, Hillary happens to win. However, he says that there is more to worry about at home than abroad. The main thesis should not be the focus on now, what's happening, but what's about to come. Right now, right, if you look at some of the external indicators, uh, other countries that we are very closely linked to, like US and China, they are releasing very strong macroeconomic data. We rose up only because we are linked closely to them. But that's not the main issue, you see, because the external indicators can only tell so much. But if you look inside Singapore itself, the government is getting increasingly worried about the long-term future of the country in terms of economic stability. If you recall two, three years ago, the startup scene in Singapore was very big. The government was throwing in money to try and push the initial drive to run more successful startups. But it failed partially because the funding was too easy to begin with. Stepbots like Spring tend to give a lot of milestones and red tape that suffocate the startup instead of helping them. And we have a very, very small domestic market to begin with. So once that failed, the government realized that we needed more competitive advantage. And it doesn't help that suddenly we are hit with defaults like Spiber that remind us as Singaporeans, where we are stuck in this tiny comfortable bubble, that we are very vulnerable to shocks as well. We forget that we are so heavily reliant on our shipping and trading industries. And it brings sharply into focus for us as Singaporeans that we should be concerned about something, not about who's going to hire me next. But for the long term, we should be concerned about how we want to position our own economy because our status as a, as a financial hub, as a best airport hub, is constantly being challenged by countries with more resources, with countries that are growing faster than us and have a, a wider range of avenues to tap on in terms of talent, in terms of revenue drivers. So what do our guests think our economic recovery will look like? So ultimately, in the very long run, whether or not Singapore can recover, I'm talking about the 5-10 year basis, is whether or not it can reform its financial sector to move away from more traditional lending and private wealth sectors into more innovative sectors such as financial consulting and financial technology. Whether or not the oil services sector or oil services industry can recover from the shock in oil prices. I mean, the main Singapore firms like Capital Shipping have very deep pockets, so they're a company that can survive this current downturn, but their long-term future will depend on the overall trends in the oil services industry as well as the oil price. So we're struggling to keep up and growing at a faster pace than the competition. It's almost like our golden age is gone. And this is us transiting into the next phase, as our government always says, how we think, how we calibrate and up our game, going to the next phase of, the, of being a nation. The thing is, we... We must have more risk-prone entrepreneurs that are hungry for success and not willing to settle. This is a fact. That's exactly why our government was trying to push for people to start up their own things, expand regionally. But some of the policies of old, like our BTO system, are, I think like it's a boon, right? It's a good thing. Some people think it's a good thing. But it's a bane to when we try to find entrepreneurs. Four years in, you're making a commitment to paying for this very, very big ticket item, which will take up easily 30-40% of your income consistently. 
and when you and you commit to an initiative like that, generally you don't want to be an entrepreneur. You start to look for a, a, a regular wage. You start to look for things that give you stability. If we all decide to go the path of like taking, you know, getting a BTO, settling down, we are always taking the low risk path. And there seems to be very, very little motivation for us, at least in this system, to take the path of a high risk entrepreneur, which is partially why whatever got the government throws at us to encourage startups doesn't gain traction. Because the inherent fundamental system tries to prevent you from taking too much risk. Off to the weekly bulletin. Two big stories for you this week. Philippine President Rodrigo Duterte, by now a recurring feature on our show, is set to visit Japan on Tuesday, October 25th. The visit will be interesting as many are eager to find out how the two countries will work together on their respective maritime disputes with China. And having just concluded a visit to neighbouring China, Mr Duterte's position will be important to watch since he has just declared a shift in his alliances towards the Asian superpower. More tech news this week as Apple holds its event on Thursday, October 27th. Apple is expected to release a new line of MacBooks, which frankly is long overdue. However, competitor Microsoft will be holding its own event one day before that on Wednesday, October 26th. They are expected to release a new all-in-one Surface PC and an updated Windows 10. And with the two major events happening one day apart, I'd say that there would be a lot to look out for in the news come Wednesday and Thursday. Now that is all from me today. If you had liked what you just heard, don't forget to tune in again next week. And if you have a story that you want told, share it with me in the comments. And till the next brew, I'm Ernest Poe.